on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. The other best thing I did was pull myself out of the fulfillment processes and hire a coach to bring in. And a lot of people think that this hiring process is going to be ultra expensive because you're looking for A players. But honestly, for me, I don't hire for a skill set. I hire for mindset. I find people who are hungry, who are moldable, who I get along with, who I think the clients are going to get along with, and who I think have legs. And I will mentor them and mold them into an A player. I'll turn my people into A players so I don't have to look for them. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. Guys, Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings. I have Chandler Walker here on the show today. I just got off the off the, off the the recording with him. Chandler, we just killed it, bro. Yeah, that was honestly the next best thing since individually wrapped American cheese slices, or if you're not a fan of those, <laughs> probably Canadian ketchup flavored. Literally, if you if you didn't just capture the attention and the energy that we were just flowing in from that, I don't know what's going to grab your attention. So get your notebook ready because Chandler drops all kinds of bombs. I'm ready for you to listen. Let's dive in. All right, guys, welcome back. Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got uh, Chandler Walker here with me. Uh, a multiple business, a uh, serial entrepreneur business uh, builder. We're going to jump right into it since you already heard the intro. Chandler, welcome, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I always tell people I'm just too dumb to stop starting stuff. So I just keep starting stuff and hopefully we can give some value to the listeners and they don't like glaze over and fall asleep at the wheel while driving because we're so boring, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen at all. You and I are cut from the same cloth. We have that crazy gene in us that just keeps us, like you said, keeping starting new things and pressing into all that we're made for. So that's exactly what this podcast is all about. So let's get rolling. Let's do it. I'm in. All right. So I know that you've built several businesses. Give me like a quick snapshot of just kind of like you, who is Mr. Walker right now? Give me like 30 seconds on what you've built, what you're currently doing right now. Tell us what you're doing. Yeah. So basically I started off with a degree in biochemistry, came from a childhood with a bipolar mom, really thought it was the way I wanted to go. Wow. Didn't like it because I didn't want to push pills for a living, switched out, opened my first business, Stone Age Fuel at 26. It was a brick and mortar, took that, wow. we scaled that up. And then we moved into an online environment. Uh, I moved from that into a consultancy. And now we have the, the online business. We have the consultancy and I have a portfolio of about four other companies. Wow. Incredible. So he literally kept that to 30 seconds. That's, that's incredible. Let's, <laughs> let's dissect some of that a little bit. So you've been in the, in the physical retail space or, or the brick and mortar, you've been on the online space, you've been in consulting. What, what, what drives you at this time now, since you've done all these cool things, what drives you at this point? Yeah. At this point, basically my daughter is three years old and essentially everything I do is just to have time with her. So 
I've built all this stuff up. And at this point, I don't really want to be doing, I just, I want to have the audacity to live my life and be there with her. Uh, most people can't do that. They go to work, they work nine to five, they spend 26 minutes a day with their children, watching Netflix on TV or whatever, then they repeat it. That's not the life I want. I want four hours a day with her. I want to go on 18 vacations a year with her. And so for me, yeah. everything I do is designed so I can have that lifestyle. And so I can continue that lifestyle. That's incredible. So thank you for the clear message there. What I'm hearing you say is that you clearly identified what you want, and then you built your life around what you want. Now, some might be listening saying, well, that's easy for you to say you've built up multiple seven figure businesses, you've got all the money, you can do that. But tell us pre like maybe when you were, you know, before maybe even your daughter, or maybe when before you had your first seven figures, how did were you thinking of this moment then? I think in the beginning, my ultimate goal was to make money. I thought you open a business, you make money and you're like smoking cigars in Cuba or somewhere <laughs> and just living your dream. And right. uh, eventually my first year was pretty challenging. I, especially in a brick and mortar, if anybody's listening, yeah. a brick and mortar is, is hard because you have overhead, you have payroll, you have to like, if no one else can do it, you're mopping the floor and, and plunging the toilets. And so the first year I basically slept in my business. I'd wake up at four, 5 a.m. I'd stay there till 10 p.m. And then I would do it again. And again, every day I would take naps in the back and it was a disaster. And so eventually what I realized was the ability to gain freedom is by designing structure. And so I recognized that I had to design structure in my business. And once I designed structure and once the money came in, I recognized that it wasn't the money because the next problem I had was I had a lot of money and I had no time to spend it. So I was still miserable. Right. Uh, and so then I finally figured out that you, the biggest thing and the most important thing for me, at least was I needed to design freedom. I didn't care about the money anymore. It wasn't about the money. It was about freedom. And that's ultimately probably two or three years in where I actually realized that recognize that that was what I needed. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think most entrepreneurs, like, you know, 98% entrepreneurs, Really, when you boil it down, why they do what they do is because of freedom. Yes, freedom is associated to money and, and options that money brings, but the freedom that you're describing, I think that almost every listener, you know, almost nine or, or, or 9.8 of, out of the 10 are going to agree with you that, yeah, freedom is right. But then what we do, what I have found as an entrepreneur journey myself, as well as what you have found, many others, I'm sure, is that we, 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 it gets lower on the list of priorities, right? It's like, it's why we started freedom. But then the, then the reality of that is to get pushed down because we don't have the structure. We're working hard. We're, we're doing all of the grind pieces. And so just since we're on this such an awesome topic here, what would you give right as that one piece there that as you were making that transition to like freedom is my real thing and you're creating structure, what does someone who doesn't have the quite seven-figure business yet need to think about as they're creating the structure now so that they can have the freedom along the way and then also when they get to seven figures? Yeah, that's a good question. So first step is check your ego. You can't do everything. You're not going to be able to do everything forever. If you think you're the only one who can do it because you're the only one who can do it right, you're going to put yourself right into the dirt and you're going to burn out and work 16 hour days. And that's not a badge of honor. That's not something good. It's not something where we need to post about, look at me, I'm doing a 16 hour day because that's the fast track to burnout. This, this, yeah. this hustle culture is what I call it the hustle and pray culture. You hustle and pray that someday you'll make it. And most people right. don't. And so I think if you want to get out of this, the first step is checking that ego. Second step is recognizing what the sort of low-end tasks that you're doing are. And then once you recognize low-end tasks, you can start to allocate those out to 
virtual assistants to executive assistants, wherever it is that you're at. I think a virtual assistant is probably the easiest way to start. And then recognizing that everything you do needs to be documented so you can systematize your processes and then you can delegate those out. And it doesn't become a process of I'm the only one who can do it. It becomes a process of just follow this and you can do it too. 100%. Yeah. I mean, guys, we're only a few minutes in and, and Chandler's giving you some serious go-to, like if the pod ended right now, I mean, bro, like they would have weeks of, of implementation from, from those few words. And so I'm hearing several things here, guys. And so as you're taking notes, make sure you're paying attention to what he's saying. Number one, check your ego. Yeah. You created the business, but guess what? We were just talking Chandler, you and I, before we turn the, turn the recording on that you gotta have a team, man. And actually the cool part about having the team, when you do give up the ego is that you realize that your people are often better <laughs> than you yeah, are way better, way better. Yeah. They're um, better than me doing 67 things only being half good at them all. Literally. They're, literally. they're doing that one thing and they crush it. And, and so what I found in, in, in the history, just all of myself, but then with other entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you can relate, but is that we get scared about hiring the VA or we get scared about bringing on a team. We get scared about some of these things that you're mentioning. And so I know that you're saying they're important and we're going to kind of leave it there with important. And, and we know that they're scared. I'm going to ask you some questions about good and bad decisions, but kind of keep that in mind here as we're going further into these conversations about that, that I'm scared to do what you're saying, Chandler, and maybe answer some of these few questions through that lens, if you don't mind. The, the decision-making process that you've kind of described around structure and discipline. I want to know good and bad decisions, but before we get to that place of like an example of each, do you have a formula or a process around making decisions now that you're at this, you know, successful level or has it always been the same? Give us some ideas. Yeah. So I have a process in, that I kind of created in my own head, my own madness that I call the four phases, uh, four phases of strategic planning. So first step is create the idea. Second step is analyze the idea. Third step is to put the idea into play. Fourth step is to evaluate what went right, what went wrong, and to recognize that it, we can redo this process again and again and again, and we're going to get better and better and better each time. So it puts you in this place to where it's okay. And with our team, we'll write down the idea. And then when we analyze the idea, we go, okay, what's, what good can come from this? What bad can come from this? What are the pros and cons associated where we're at and where we're headed and how this could turn out? And then we turn that into an execution strategy. And then we take that, we execute, and then we, re we analyze what went well, what didn't go well, what can we improve on? Was the process good? Because with my staff too, I like to celebrate processes. Even if we build something and it's a disaster and has a horrible result, if they had a really good process and there was a good thinking result in there and they, they thought yeah. through it well, I want to celebrate yeah. that too. So we can celebrate the idea of it's not just the end result, it's the process that got us there. 100% because at the end, what you're teaching your staff is that it, yes, we're looking for results, but sometimes results, it looks like elimination, right? Like this didn't work. So let's cross this one off the books. We no longer have to worry about this. We can go try something different. And that that's also a result that's productive in the business. Would you agree? Exactly. And it's, it's basically, it's giving your staff permission to think. A lot of yeah. time people are afraid to think, they're afraid to take action, they're afraid to do because they're afraid to be wrong. But I like to build a culture to where it's okay to think, it's okay to be wrong because I want you to be able to do this and want you to be able to analyze and I want you to be able to improve and I want killers on my team. And I want people who are going to be A players and I want people who could essentially replace me and, and I don't have to necessarily be there to do things. Obviously I'm there to mentor them, but I want sure. free thinkers. Yeah, 100%. I'd agree with you. I think there's so many six-figure guys and gals listening, I'm sure, 
that, that, that like the idea of that. Like I want to hire a players. I want to have a team. I want to be able to just mentor them, but they're stuck in this, like, Oh, I can't get off the job site or I can't get off of the computer myself or can't get off the sales call. Right. And so in the, in the making of good and bad decisions, what's a good decision that you've made along the way that can help that mindset or, or maybe something you take us a different direction, but the six figure person that's listening, that's stuck trying to get to where you are. What's a good decision that you've made that can help them. Yeah. The best decision I made was to recognize that I can pull myself out of the equation and I'm, I'm the one limiting myself to being stuck there. Mm. Uh, The most important thing I ever did was recognize that I didn't have to be on 17 sales calls a day. I could actually hire a sales rep and work with them hand in hand to mentor them to get to a level to where they're producing cash flow. The other best thing I did was pull myself out of the fulfillment processes and hire a coach to bring in. And a lot of people think that this hiring process is going to be ultra expensive because you're looking for A players. But honestly, for me, I don't hire for a skill set. I hire for mindset. I find people who are hungry, who are moldable, who I get along with, who I think the clients are going to get along with, and who I think have legs. And I will mentor them and mold them into an A player. I'll turn my people into A players so I don't have to look for them. And I think ultimately that's created a culture to where you have people who not only believe in what you're doing, but they believe in the vision and you've put so much time into them. They'll jump off cliffs for you. They're, they're there with you forever. A hundred percent. I, if you're listening to this right now, what you need to do is hit pause <laughs> and uh, you need to go back and, and replay what Chandler just said. I would say at least three times, he said so many things in like 30 seconds there about how to hire who you're looking for. And then how to take them to the level that you would consider an A player. Sometimes you do find an already prepared A player, but for the most part, I would agree with you, Chandler, that that you, what you're looking for is someone who is in the right mindset, that's moldable, and you can do a lot. Even with my history in sales, building sales teams, even for Grant Cardone, it's like, if I can, if I can have somebody that came in that had no sales experience, but hunger, I'll take that person all day of the week, as opposed to somebody who who has 20 years of sales experience, quote unquote, it's just so much easier to work with that, that empty slate. Exactly. Because sometimes you get people who are A players who are kind of spoiled too. And then it's really hard to get them to, to push the needle. So if yeah. you can build that culture up from someone who just isn't there, you build someone who's going to be really, who's going to be a killer. And that's ultimately, I think what we need. Yep. hundred percent, which also, you know, like, it's funny, we talk about vision in the business. We talk about vision and our goals, like where we want to go, where we see the, 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 the business going, I want to go to seven figures or eight figures, whatever, but having that same vision for your people, right. Individually. And as a group, right. Knowing where I want my team to be, having that vision, being able to mentor them, as you said, it's not just, Hey, here you go. Here's the, here's the keys to the position. Let me know when you make me money. Right. There's a process to that of you being a good leader. So maybe just talk about that for a half you know, minute here, just give us some insight on what you do as far as mentoring your people. Yeah, for sure. That's a good question. And I think people often see leadership as like this motivational guy who stands on stage and it's like the wolf of wall street. And I think that might have a place in, I mean, sales teams, you can motivate them in that way sometimes. But I think when you're, when you're mentoring people on your team, it's a process of helping them understand where they need to go, tapping into the emotional reasons why they want to get there and recognizing and understanding that those exist and then helping them organize and design a step-by-step plan that gets them there in micro segments. Because when you look at the way people think, if I say, hey, I need you to produce $30,000 this month in revenue, sometimes it's too much. It's like, I, I don't know how to get there. Or, hey, it's I need you to produce uh, 
$86,000 this month in revenue. It, it just blows their mind. So if you say, hey, this week we want to produce 17 calls, uh, next week, this week, or even daily this much, this is what it looks like. And then if you can meet with them and make sure they're on target, and if they fall off target, help them move back on target. I think ultimately right. that's exactly what you need to do to drive your team and mentor them into A players. Because what you do is you mold them and help them understand how to think strategically and how to break down the big picture into micro segments. And ultimately, I think to really win, you have to be able to think in micro segments, especially yeah. if you're a boots on the ground and you're in, out there hustling, uh, because then it doesn't become too much. And they're attached to the right. vision. They're emotionally invested and you'll, you'll get a lot more out of them that way. So good. Thank you for sharing. You know, I, I've come across several entrepreneurs who, who are so quick, you know, that what's that old adage, like hire, hire slowly, fire quickly, which I actually oh. agree with. But in the process of that, when I'm quote unquote firing quickly, I have done what you're talking about, which is I've given them everything. Like I've gotten into the, to the groove. I've, I've tried to get them back on track. I've, I've mentored them. I've inspired them. I've tried to motivate them. I've tried to connect emotionally. Like they've gotten the, ve the best version of me. It's not just like, oh, you didn't hit the quota, whether it's sales or production or someone that's working on a job site, right? It's like, you can't just be quick to just like, be angry, emotional, and let people go. What you're saying is you need to hire the right people. And then you as the leader need to be committed to their success. That's what I'm hearing you say. Exactly. And I can tell you my biggest mistake was thinking that I'm going to hire people and they're going to be entrepreneurs in the beginning. They're not <laughs> right. in that mindset. There's the entrepreneur mindset, which is like where I'm at. And then there's the employee or the staff mindset where they need to be led. They need to be, they need to understand what's happening. And if they're not A players, they need to be mentored to a level to where they can think on their own and to where they can be exactly what they need to become, but they can't become that if you don't help them get there. And so the process of this, like we were talking about before, the call is recognizing that I don't need to do it for them. I need to help them understand how to do it. If you can help people yeah. learn how to think, I think that's ultimately when they win. Yeah. I mean, ultimately as an entrepreneur, when we think that's when we win, right? Exactly. So, so why wouldn't we give that same thing to our team, right? Well, yeah, I can tell you, most people are worried about losing their people, right? What, what would you say about that? I'm six figures. I'm like, oh, I got this A player, but Chandler, like if I, if I develop them, they're going to leave me. They're going to, they're going to be my competitor. They're going to, they're going to go work for my competitor. Oh no. What would you say to that? Yeah. I always say, well, if, if you're not willing to put the time into your team and you're worried, they're going to leave you, you should also be worried the half-assed process they're going to put into your business because now you're going to build a half-assed business. You're going to have people who are half good at what they do. People who are never going to be a players. You're going to have a team of betas and it's ultimately going to be this, this thing that implodes on itself because you don't have anyone who can ultimately lead, which results in you coming back in the company and ultimately never getting out. So I think if you're not willing to build a players, you're not really willing to build a big successful business. Yeah. So good. I, I can't even describe, we could, we could go hours on this, but, but for the sake of this pod and keeping it punchy guys, I hope you're taking notes. All right, Chandler, tell us bad decision that you've made. That would be super impactful for someone, you know, at a six figure level to hear and be able to learn from bad decision. Yeah. I think my, my worst decision probably in business was not mentoring people effectively. When I hired them originally, when we hired, it was just like, Hey, come on board. And then you expect them to perform and they don't, yeah. and you get frustrated and then you blame them. Like I can't hire good people. I can't find good people. And in reality, it's like, no, 
I am not a good leader and I need to recognize that, check my ego and become better. I need to systematize the process before they come on board, have everything mapped out for them and then lead them. If I can't do that, I have no business hiring. And I probably went through like 10 people before I figured that out. And, yeah. and it was expensive and it was wasteful. And it probably prevented us from growth for another 18 to 24 months just because of that. Yeah, hundred percent. That's so good. I would agree. And uh, I'm sure everyone listening can can relate at least to the hiring and ex- expecting something different than what they got. It's just whether they decide to do what you said and, and check their ego and and let it start with themselves. You know, leadership starts from the top down. Okay, talk to me about how do you stay disciplined. Give me two give me two answers now at your current level, but but more specifically before here when you were more in the grind of building up your first seven figure business, maybe. How do you stay disciplined with life, business, finance, like all these things that we're dealing with as entrepreneurs? How do you stay disciplined? Yeah, and I'll, I'll be the first to tell you in the beginning, I was a, a sca- I was scatterbrained. I mean, for lack of a better term, a, a shit show because my I didn't know how to recognize a calendar. I didn't I didn't know how to do follow through. And so when I first started my business, it would be like I could tell people that I was going to do things, but the follow through wasn't always there. I started to let my fitness go by the wayside. I didn't pay attention to anything else. And so ultimately what I figured out was I had to live and die by a calendar. And a lot of people think like, well, I want to be this like free flowing person and and not be so tied to a calendar. And often I'll say, well, if you want that freedom, you have to build the structure to get that freedom. And if you're not willing to build the structure, you're never going to have that freedom. So I, I think the biggest thing that I learned along the way was to put what I'm going to do in my calendar. So it's all the work things I have to do, my my health oriented things, time with family, stuff like that. So that way it's all planned out and it's all built into a way to where I can do exactly what I want to do and it's organized. So that way I don't get a random appointment on my calendar that I wasn't expecting and I have to skip my workout or I have to skip time with my daughter or 100%. I'm on vacation and some rando books in with me. So that's yep. the kind of stuff I think as a new entrepreneur or an upcoming entrepreneur who's trying to grow needs to recognize that everything goes into your calendar from business to personal, to wealth, to finances, all of it. And if you can do that and structure that in a way to where it's always there, you're never going to have surprises. You're going to have the freedom you want because you pre-planned for it. Pre-planning creates results. No planning creates no results. hundred percent. I cannot echo that strong enough. In fact, I'm going to add a bonus to the listener here because what, what Chandler's talking about here, I, I also realized early on in, in, in a super disciplined calendar, multiple businesses, multiple states, multiple industries. Now, at this point, it has to be organized. But the bonus is this. He, he, you heard him say in there, business stuff, vacation stuff, uh, fitness stuff, his daughter. Like He mentioned all these areas of life and what we often do as an entrepreneur, we fill that calendar. We, okay. Hey Chandler, I hear you. The calendar is good. I got the calendar full with my, my sales calls or, or I got my, my team meeting or I got my, you know, whatever it has to do with the business or my clients. And, and then there's no time for the fitness or the no time for the daughter or no time for the family vacation. And so those other things that you're saying are important, Mr. Or Mrs. Entrepreneur listening right now, you need to move them up, not to like a higher state, but to an equal state as the business activities. And you need to do exactly what Chandler's saying here and put them in your calendar. And you need to value them as high as the sales call or as the meeting with the client or as the team meeting, whatever it is that you're doing as far as the business activities, you just have to value those things. If, if they are as valuable to you, if you're saying that they are, you need to treat them as such and uh, do exactly what he's saying. Just make sure that you're putting them in there. Yeah, that's super, there? 
No, I think that's hundred percent spot on. I'll sometimes mentor younger entrepreneurs or newer people. And they'll say, I'll tell them, Hey, give me what your, your highest value tasks are. And they'll come back with 500 business tasks. And I'll say, okay, well, is business the only thing valuable to you? And they'll say, well, what, what, what do you mean? Well, the only thing I see that's a value is business. Well, what, what, what should I do? Well, what else is valuable to you in your life? Oh, well, family. And okay, well, those should go on your critical tasks list. And they're, they're, yep. it blows their mind that we value things other than business and that we can structure our time to showcase what we value. And it's like, okay, if business is the only thing you value, great. But most people, it's not. So if you can teach right. them that, I think you give them the ability to create that freedom. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I would even say too, that when you have a legacy driven entrepreneur, which so many entrepreneurs are, obviously you've, you've mentioned your daughter. I've talked on many shows that I've either been on or even on this pod where being legacy driven, where I'm trying to build something for my children, my grandchildren, generations to come, that has to be the case. Like I have to be critically thinking about what I'm doing with my kids, what I'm teaching them, the amount of time that I'm spending with them. Because if I just build them a bunch of businesses or a bunch of real estate and give it to them, they're not going to be equipped to take it over anyway. So literally my entire legacy falls apart. Exactly. And that's a really good point. Uh, something I do with my daughter, she's only three, but we, we bought her some, like she has a Bitcoin and like a bunch of ETH and stuff like that. Yeah. But we go yeah. on together and we're like, Hey, what do you want to buy? She's oh, polka dot coin. Oh, unicorn. Oh, I want to buy Disney. And yeah. so you, you teach them like investing strategies. You teach them like, Love you can it. buy stuff too. Look, Disney's cool. Oh, they, yeah, that is a polka dot coin. And then she's only three. So she has no idea, but she's like, right. where, and then she'll check the charts once a week with me. Hey, where's my unicorn coin at? And I'll say, oh, the markets are red. And she'll say, well, no toys this week. So she starts to learn <laughs> how to analyze the market and understand based on the colors of the candles. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I went on a, on a binge about a year ago trying to find kids books that talked about cash flow and building businesses, making money. And there's actually a couple of kid authors. And so if you're in that, in that space, definitely search for some kid books around business and money. There's, there's a few out there that are pretty good. All right, let's keep moving. I want to know, we're going to go into a speed round here. So I want to know like one word answers if possible. You can expound a little bit, but punchy as you can. The first thing is this, Chandler, if you could only track one metric in your business or businesses forever and ever and ever, only one, you only get to pick one. Which one is it? Referrals. Ooh, haven't heard that one. Why? Because when you look at the amount of referrals you're producing, that's what's going to create exponential growth in your business. I can put money into paid ads. I can do all this stuff. But if I can turn every one client into three referrals, all of a sudden I have this like growth strategy that's going to go straight up. And if every one person turns into three, imagine that one to three, three, all three on, I can't even do the math. It turns right. into this exponential growth factor. And so I think if you're only focused on referrals, your business is going to explode. And, and I don't think enough people focus on it. Nobody, it's like yeah. an afterthought. Oh, I got a referral today. It's like, no. We need three off of every one person because now everybody, we're crushing it. Our return on ad spend is 30 times and everything else blows up. The networking tree expands when that's your focus, which is obviously closely related to sales, but I love how, how personal that makes the entire process of the business because someone's not going to give you a referral if they haven't had a good experience. They're not going to give you a referral if they didn't feel like the results were there, whatever your program or business or service is. That's an incredible way to think about it. So thank you. Okay. For a book, okay, Chandler, six figures, I'm grinding, I'm trying to get to where you are, man. What do I read? I'm the, the, road, today. the Road Less Stupid by Keith J. Cunningham. The Road Less Stupid. This is the first time I've heard of this book. 
So tell me, give me, give me 30 seconds on it. Man, it's just like a collection of entrepreneurial lessons and mistakes and introduces you to the concept of thinking time, like the fact that you can have time devoted to just thinking. And I think the lessons are invaluable. Keith is is a higher level guy, obviously, and he writes a bunch of little things. So you can read a lesson and you can bookmark it and then you can come back and look at that one. There's a ton of lessons in the book. I think it's invaluable for entrepreneurs at the level of the six-figure yeah. Love it. The road less stupid. Okay. I already know the answer to this one because you, you have one yourself, but <laughs> do you intentionally network with other entrepreneurs? And the second question to that is, do you pay for it? Yes. And yes. Okay. And so at the six figure mark, what I have realized as I was growing up my businesses and in talks with many others, there's that place of like, Oh, I, I know I should do that Chandler but I'm so nervous about whether it's spending the money or taking the leap to spend like development on me or getting around other entrepreneurs. What would you say to that at that level? Yeah. I tell them, look, the, the most important thing that I realized is my network defines my net worth. Almost every really good opportunity I've produced has become about, has come about because I've known somebody and they've been able mm-hmm. to introduce me or help me, or at least in, give me the right introduction to move me along. And yep. so I tell people like, if you're afraid to network, you're probably afraid to grow your business. And I know things like marketing and ads and Facebook and organic and all this stuff is sexy because the gurus are selling it. But yeah. what's even more sexier is that one guy who can introduce you to 100K in revenue, and all of a sudden that turns you to that seven-figure rate. So the more people you know, the more opportunities you will create, and the more ends you'll have in each market. I can tell you in the portfolio of companies I have, I have these portfolios and percentages of these companies because of people I know. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Shaking hands. And uh, and it's not just about for the for the sake of spending the time, but creating the relationship that you know will intend or, or eventually lead to those other things that you say that you want. Okay. Last question, Chandler, if you lost it all today, your whole entire portfolio, it's all gone. What do you do? I would call up the people in my network and say, Hey, Hey, I lost everything. Life sucks. I'm falling apart. Can you help me? And I would be able to build it up within probably a couple months because of the people I know. And because of the network I've been able to build and create that is if I didn't lose the network. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And and so to reiterate your point just from before of not only that's why you've purposely gotten around other people, but then you've created opportunities for get for people to get around your people. It's the same thing you would, you would lean on that network and you don't have that network if you don't invest in that network. So that's huge. Exactly. It's like, if you're afraid to ask people for help, you're probably never going to find the help you need. And if you're afraid to network, you're probably going to be stuck. You're going to be stuck at that six figure rate because growth happens as you expand your network. Yeah. I love it. Chandler, how does someone connect with you? Obviously you've got a plethora of, of wisdom and, and businesses. And so how can someone connect with you if they want to get more information? Yeah, you can connect with me on my website. It's just chanslogic.com. And we have all the info you can get there. If you're interested in what we're currently doing, you can join our Compassion Conversations program where we talk about sales and how to communicate effectively and how to cross boundaries of communication. That's just at ninestep.cultureofcare.life. And personally, just friend request me on Facebook. Find me, Chandler Walker, on Facebook. It's a picture of me and my daughter. You, you can't miss it. I have sunglasses on. My beard looks cool. So I'm on there. <laughs> I'm on Instagram too, instagram.com uh, forward slash Chandler underscore SAF. Same thing, picture of cool beard, man bun, daughter. You'll find me. And then connect That's with me on there. Shoot me a DM. That's awesome. Yeah. And if you are listening here today and, and you've related with just Chandler's style, I can, I can tell you off camera, he's the exact same. And- 
the way that he's talked about communication and sales being a part of the same program, obviously we relate a lot there, but he was able to go just further into his beliefs of communication and just really being genuine and treating people right. So if that's something that your business needs, I would highly suggest connecting with Chandler because he's he's the man when it comes to that. So Chandler, dude, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for your time and the, the value that you've dropped here. Invaluable. Thank you for being on the show, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Just, I like to drop value. I like to help people who are on the journey and ultimately yeah. expand my network and, and get the voice out there. And I don't think anybody fell asleep at the wheel. So I think we accomplished what we needed to. <laughs> we absolutely did. And it was all because of you, my man. So thank you very much. And we'll, we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, let's do it. I'm always game. All right, my brother. We'll talk soon. See ya. All right. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.